following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Anything that's human is mentionable, and anything that is mentionable can be more manageable. When we talk about our feelings, they become less overwhelming, less upsetting, and less scary. Fred Rogers. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Get In Loser. We're starting a podcast. This is Chop. And I'm Cheetah. And, uh, yeah, so we're back with another episode this week. Uh, uh, I... If you've been listening since the beginning of the podcast, then you're obviously going to recognize, you know, the so, the material today. Uh, it's something we talked about a couple times. I think the last time we talked about it really was back when Mike was still here, I believe. Yeah, it was with uh, Paul. Yeah, but uh, it's uh, it's obviously a subject that can't be talked about enough. You know, it's probably something that we should talk about even more than we already do, but... Uh, yeah, we're going to dive into uh, a little bit of mental health this week, you know, going to have just kind of an, a mental health honest hour. Uh, if you guys heard last week's episode after uh, what happened with, uh, you know, our buddy John and his family suffering a loss to suicide, you know, him reaching out to me to, you know, try and get my help on like the situation of what he was going through because of my own struggles with mental health you know it kind of like woke something up in me and made me realize that you know I want to talk about it more I want to start getting my story out there more to more people because the more we talk about our our own stories the you know the more we give other people the strength to come forward and talk about theirs you know what I mean so by talking about our own mental health in a way we could save other people so I mean that's ba- that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today you know we're going to I'm going to dive into a little bit of my own personal struggles uh, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, just give you guys a couple little, like, facts and stuff like that. Uh, um, Yeah, we're just giving you guys a, a fair trigger warning. If Yeah, obviously, trigger warning. We're gonna th- you know, uh, once we get down into the deep of it, of my stuff, you know, there's obviously going to be talk of suicide, you know, um, you know, addiction to alcohol, stuff like that. So, I mean, if any of that stuff bothers you, you know, just turn the episode off now and we'll see you guys next week. No biggie. We understand. Yeah, we understand. But, you know, it definitely is not right away. But, I mean, once we get into my own personal shit, it's going to get pretty deep. So, I mean, if you guys, you know, if you can't handle that kind of stuff, I completely understand. But, you know, it's something I, I need to talk about. I need to keep I need to keep telling people about it and keep putting it out there because it helps. It not only helps me keep going but it helps obviously it's making a difference on other people that listen to it it helps them you know want to come forward and talk about shit too so you know i'm just trying to do my part do what i can and um i'm i'm try to do my part as much but you might hear my story today or i don't know yet 
It depends mm-hmm. how depends how he takes the uh, role from like the Oscars from us. Yeah, we're we're gonna play it by ear. I mean, you know, I told Drew I didn't want to pressure him into talking about it if he wasn't ready. You know, what I mean, if he didn't want to. I mean, I completely understand. It's not easy for everybody to just be open and honest about it. I mean, you guys heard from the first couple episodes we talked about. I, I, you know, I mean, I could barely even talk about it. Like it was, it was killing me to uh, even mention it. Like to even tell people. You know what I mean? But now most of the people around me know. My mom knows. You know, I mean. Yeah, that was a big. That was a big surprise. Not not a surprise. You know what I'm saying? It was more of a big, like, upcoming. She came up to you and just waited there to talk to me. Say. Because you didn't feel comfortable. Yeah, I mean, we're going to, we'll dive into that kind of stuff too, you know. I'll give you guys a little bit of an insight of like someone who's gone through it of like why people don't reach out right away, you know what I mean? Or why they never reach out. I'll kind of tell you guys like what it was like from my perspective. Yo, is it is it why is men don't talk about their feelings from other men? Is it because, is it because, is that, is that that stereotype we have with each other? Well, I mean, there's... I mean, there's a lot of different stigmas surrounding mental health, but I mean, there's also there's always been a huge stigma around men's mental health, where society is kind of, you know, like brainwashed us in a way to thinking that, you know, we're not allowed to feel shit, we're not allowed to tell other people about our feelings because if it do, it makes us less of a man, it makes us weak, you know. So that's why a lot of men they take their own lives because, you know, sometimes. Yes, sometimes you can fight your own demons and you'll win. But a lot of the times, you know, it it gets it becomes too much and you need help. And if you feel like if you feel like, you know what I mean, and it's not like it's not that people you know can't reach out. I know that in a lot of situations their families are always like, "Oh, you know, I would have been here if they would have told me." But it's society is like it is hammered into our heads so much from like growing up to not like to, you know, from like young adults to you know, grown ups that, you know, men's mental health isn't a real thing. Like it's not re- it's fake, and that men don't aren't supposed to feel shit because that's not what men do. You know what I mean? So, it's not that, you know, these guys feel like they can't reach out. They just feel like they shouldn't because of what society has told us. But I mean, yeah, we're gonna talk a little bit about that too, and then you know, uh I'm going to give you guys a couple, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about, like, my coping mechanisms, you know, stuff I use now. Uh, uh, I also want to talk about this uh, medication that I got put on not long ago that, you know, seems to be working for the most part. You know, stuff like that. I'm also going to, there's a couple songs, so there's, like, two songs that, like, I, you know, I, well, one I just got put onto recently. Drew put me onto it recently. And then there's another one that, Oh, when man. I was in, like, a midst of, you know, like, in between knowing that I wanted to quit drinking and, but, like, not really being able to quit, it was, like, a song that I listened to a lot on repeat, and I want—I was just going to read you guys a couple lyrics from that song just so you know, just to, I don't know, kind of give you guys, like, an insight of, like, what I was feeling. But before we get into that, uh, you know, I wanted to start with something a little more, you know, you know, something that's just happened recently. But now, like, the event itself, I just want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about something like, you know, kind of like, obviously we don't, it's, we don't have any solid proof, you know what I mean? We don't know what these people's lives are like outside in the real world, you know, but we're just going to, like, kind of, like, speculate on what it looks like to us and what we think could be happening. 
but we're going to talk about, uh, you know, what happened at the Oscars with, uh, you know, Will Smith and Chris Rock. And we're going to talk about, you know, how it seems to a lot of people like maybe Will could possibly be in an abusive relationship. You know what I mean? Emotionally abusive relationship. I know he has opened up a couple times about his own struggles with mental health. Uh, I'm pretty sure he said he, at one point I heard him say he grew up in an abusive home. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so, you know, we're just going to talk a little bit about that real quick and just, you know, give you guys a little insight into that. Like where, what, the way I see it personally, you know, and I got an article I'm going to take a couple points from and then we'll, uh, I'll let you guys know when we're going to get to get, get into like, you know, my personal shit when it's going to get heavy. So you guys know. Yeah. Um, before we talk about the, uh, his mental is his issue and whatnot. Dude, when I when I saw that slap, I thought that was stage. I, I thought it was stage because Chris Rock just took that slap like a champ. Yeah, I thought it was stage too. I mean, that's oh, we don't know. It could all be, that stuff is just that's like a whole nother like a whole nother episode. That's a whole nother conversation to have about that. You know what I mean? But for the the most part, uh, you know, I'm just gonna go based off of what I know personally. Uh, like what I said earlier, like what I just said, you know, uh, I mean, it's pretty much common knowledge at this point that Will Smith grew up in an abusive home. He's been very open about that. Uh, he's been very open about his own struggles with mental health. You know, I understand that, but you know, and then obviously if you have access to the internet at all and you have for the past couple of years and we all know about the talk Will and his wife had when she admitted to, you know, having a situation as she called it with this kid this dude august delaner or whatever who was friends with her son at the time who like they she helped him get sober or something and they ended up hooking up i don't know as she called it an entanglement whatever but that was uh that was a big thing for me because you know when it started coming out about that almost instantly Will's face of him busting out in tears was turned into a meme, and it was spread all over the internet. Oh, dude, People I'm... laughed about it. People made jokes about it. Oh, it's so funny. Look, you know. Like, I get that, like, it's the internet. I understand that. I, I try not to take that kind of shit on the internet seriously because it is the internet, and, you know, obviously, it, you know, it's going to happen whether you like it or not. But that's just, like, that's a big piece of proof, too, that men's mental health isn't taken seriously. Because you know if the roles would have been reversed, if Will would have said, hey, I cheated on you with somebody to Jada right there in front of her face on, you know, and it got broadcasted everywhere, people would have been dragging Will through the mud. 100%. There's no doubt. Oh, yeah, for sure. But it didn't happen like that. And I'm not saying, you know I mean? I'm not saying I'm choosing sides or anything. It's not my business. I honestly don't really care. I'm only here to talk about the mental health side of it. But with everything that Will went through, you know, as in his childhood and then you know being with her which i understand marriages aren't perfect i get that it's completely understandable but also you got to understand that like you know even if they have like an open kind of situation where like it's an open marriage and you know and they agree that both of them could talk about it people got to admit that jada's you know she's gone on live television and said some shitty things about will Things that people probably shouldn't be knowing. Like, you know, she once like was on a talk show once saying something about how the sex is bad with him, how he's bad in bed, 
And that said something about how, you know, every time they have sex, he has to throw up or she throws up or something like that. I don't know. It was some shit like that. But anyways, I mean, you can't go on live television and say shit like that. Well, can't go on live television saying shit like that. Uh... Yeah, you can't go on live television saying shit like that. And then think that, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, maybe they got an agreement. I don't care, dude. I don't care what the agreement is. It's still going to be, you know what I mean? It's still going to hurt Will, and it obviously did hurt Will. You can tell. You know what I mean? So, I mean, maybe maybe they're not in an abusive relationship exactly, but, I mean, Will does struggle with mental health, and if you watch the clip closely from the Oscars, he, uh, at first, he's, he laughs at the joke. And then Jada kind of, like, gives him a look, and that's when he gets up and does something about it. Like, cause, so that could be, like, you know, Jada saying, like, oh, you know, if you don't defend me now, like, what kind of man are you? You know what I mean? Like, poking fun in his manhood and shit. I mean, obviously, I don't know for sure. I'm just, you know, speculating here. But that's the way it looks like to me. Uh, and, you know, and the Will Smith, that whole situation with Will Smith is taught, is, like, opened a lot of people's eyes that men's mental health has never been taken seriously. It's 2022, and it's still not taken seriously. I know at least a handful of girls right now that if you told them men struggled with their feelings and shit, they'd all, every single one of them would tell you the same thing. Oh, that's not a real man. He's not a real man. Real men don't share their emotions. Why? Why can't we, why can't we feel shit like you feel shit? It's like if I lose somebody close to me, they die. I'm not supposed to cry about that. I'm not supposed to be upset about that. If my life is spiraling downwards and I feel like, you know, I'm depressed, I'm not allowed to feel like I don't want to be here anymore? Why? Because society tells me I'm not supposed to feel like that? Well, guess what? Fuck society. If you're a man and you feel shit, there's nothing wrong with you. Let's get that out of the way right away. There's not a goddamn thing wrong with you. Because listen, I mean, even if you got the perfect life, anybody can get depressed. Depression hits everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a billionaire or if you're flat broke. It doesn't matter if you got the happiest life in the world or you just lost your whole family. Depression hits everybody. And don't let anybody ever tell you any differently that you're not allowed to feel some shit. And you're not allowed to, you know, be upset and be sad and, you know, feel like you don't want to be here. I don't care if you got the perfect life. You could have a perfect life and still be depressed and still want to kill yourself. It happens to everybody. I mean, look at celebrities. It's happened with tons of celebrities. They've had it all, and they just, you know, they couldn't take it. You know, prime example, Robin Williams. Greatest guy in the world, loved by millions, had a perfect life, couldn't fight his demons, you know? Just didn't have the strength to keep fighting his demons anymore. So, you know, he did what he thought was best for him. And also like Chester Bennington. Yeah, Chester Bennington, another guy, beloved by millions. Literally almost the entire world cried when they found out that Chester died. I remember I was legit upset for, like, weeks about it. Because, like, guys like that, you know, they, they have such a big impact. And you don't expect it when you hear that, you know, it was something like that. Yo, um, I got I got the opportunity. Not actually met him because I wasn't that close. But I actually saw him uh, in 2014 or t- 13 uh, at Darren Lake. He actually goes into the crowd when he sings. Like, how many artists do that now, nowadays? Yeah, I could get it from the, because uh, we went through a rough patch in that 2020 era. But I like when artists come to the crowd. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, that's just like, you know, that's just like a couple off the top of my, you know, another guy, Chris Farley. I mean, not really like, well, I mean, he had depression too, but I mean, it was, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to condone like his drug use or anything like that. I'm not going to talk about that. It's a whole completely different thing to talk about. But, you know, another guy, beloved by millions, you know, too depressed to, you know, keep going. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're going to tell me that any three of those people we just mentioned are less than them, are less of a man because of what they did? No, you're not going to. So why do you say it about your friends and family? Why do you tell the guy that lives across the street from you, oh, you, you, want, you tried to kill yourself? You're a pussy. Why? Because he's a normal dude? No, that's fucked up. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're dealing with. If you're depressed, you're depressed. End of story. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise, and don't let anybody try and dictate what your struggle is like. But also, if you're struggling, don't let society stop you from reaching out. Reach out. Reach out to anybody. 99% of the time, if you reach out to somebody, they're going to be there for you. And if they're not there for you, you don't want get rid of those people out of your life immediately because that's not the kind of people you want. Because, I mean, for me personally... When I was living with my cousin, when I was, you know, in, like, the depths of, like, me drinking, like, I was drinking pretty much every day. I was having at least a drink every day. Drew can attest to this. Me and my cousin fought literally every single day. I was there for a big fight. Every single day. And when she found out that it was, like, you know, from me drinking, she not once gave up on me. She stood there and tried to help me get through it the entire time. Not once. Did she let me, you know, I wanted to drink myself to death and she wouldn't let me. There was nights where like nobody would be around and it'd just be me and her and I'd literally, we'd literally be screaming at each other because I'd be like, listen, just let me fucking drink myself to death. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And she never let me. Those are the kind of people you need in your life. Like me and Drew, we don't really talk about this kind of stuff a lot, but I know if I actually needed him, I could call him. He'd come over. I know he'd be there for me. She called me at three o'clock. Like, dude, I called you up there when your power was having problem. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Like, hey, uh, you want to be, uh, you want me to pick you up or something? I said, nah, I gotta stay for the cat. Yeah, I mean, don't let, don't let the kind of people you surround yourself with stop you from getting the help that you need because I promise you if you reach out and you get help you're gonna get better everyone gets better you just gotta be willing to put in the work to get better and I can I'm a I'm a I can attest to that because I was a completely different person a year ago than I am today I've already become I've already started to become happier than I was a year ago I don't think about killing myself nearly as much as I used to. I don't, you know, I don't, I never even, I could never drink, I could go the rest of my life without ever sipping alcohol and I'd be fine with it. That's how much, you know, me getting better has turned me off to the idea of drinking. Like, I don't even want to drink just casually anymore. I don't want nothing to do with it anymore. Because now alcohol holds such bad memories for, you know, a a shitty part of my life. When, you know, when I had everything that I could need around me, I had a great family, I had great friends, I had a great job, and I still woke up every day thinking, you know, I want to fucking drink myself to death. Like, I don't want to be here anymore, I just, you know, 
Uh, I mean, if you're still here listening to the episode now, I'm about to say some shit that's going to be pretty deep, so you might want to, you know, skip this part. But when I was at my lowest, I used to wake up and I'd tell myself every day, uh, I don't have the balls to kill myself, but I don't have the will to live either. And I mean, I would tell myself that every single day. I'd walk into my my bathroom, I'd look at myself in the mirror, and I'd say, you know, I don't have the will to live, but I don't have the balls to kill myself either. And I could, and I mean, even on days I didn't want to, I got up, I went to work, I did what I had to do. I'd come home, I'd eat dinner, I'd, I'd game with my friends online. Even on the days when I didn't fucking want to, I did, because I knew that when the if a day came where I didn't want to and I just didn't do it, that there'd be no turning back. So I did. I woke up every day. I did it. Even when I was miserable, even when I didn't want nothing to do with anybody, I'd get up and I'd make myself do something. Even if it was just get up, watch a movie, or get up, do laundry, get up, shower. I would make myself do something every single day. But I mean, you know, I mean, it also, obviously it wasn't always like that, you know. But before I get too deep into like, you know, like, telling you guys more about like my personal journey I just want to give Drew you know a chance to you know put anything in that he wants to talk about real quick alright um I know this is way off the park but um if you guys ever feel down or anything and we're not available this the National Suicide Prevention uh, Lifeline or Hotline is available 24-7 the number is 1-800-273-8255 they're 24 hours that will help you out uh, I was just reading up on this, uh, like, in- not interesting facts about uh, suicide, but uh, I was just reading facts about suicide. Nearly 46,000 people died by suicide in 2020. One death per, one death every 11 minutes. Many adults think about suicide or attempt suicide. 12.2 million seriously thought about suicide. 3.2 million Make plans for suicide and 1.2 million attempt suicide. Uh, yeah, if you if you guys have any if if you guys have any problem, once again, you can hit you can hit us up at like at three four o'clock in the morning. We'll we'll try to help you out as much as we can. But um, yeah the uh, the the phone number is again one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Suicidal hotline A suicidal provincial hotline Oh alright Guys yeah Like Drew said you know If you guys you know If you're feeling down and you want to reach out to us I mean our you know our inboxes are always open The only thing I ask is Don't message us through the group Or the page Because I don't have a messenger set up for that And every time it does it it drives me nuts (laughs) Because I can't read it (laughs) So you know just if you need to reach out, reach out to one of us personally. I can't guarantee I'll get back to you right away, but I guarantee I will get back to you at some point. You know, because a lot of times I do just put my phone on do not disturb. And I just, you know, I go home from work sometimes. I just need to be, I need to just be in my own space. Hey, wait, wait, wait. There's, a, there's a do not disturb button on your phone? Yes. Oh, what the hell, man? You never knew that? <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Yeah. Once again, um, 
We don't care what time it is. If if you want if you want us to come over, you you have che- Chop and Cheetah as your entertainers. Yep. Pretty much be like a if you go if you go next to a room, one of us is gonna be following you into a room. Not not in a weird way, but because cause we're there, we're trying to help help you out as much as you can. Exactly. But uh, all right, man. Ready for this, Drew? Got your tissues ready over there? Uh, I guess so. Wait, wait, <sighs> you better not hit me hard. No, I mean, it's going to be some tough shit to talk about, but it's stuff that needs to be talked about, stuff that, you know. I mean, obviously, if you guys follow me on any social media, I've been very open about my mental health since, you know, reaching out and getting help for it. But there's still some stuff that, you know, I have not talked about. That I would like to talk about today. But before I talk about anything, I just wanna I just wanna I wanna put this out there now and make it crystal clear. I didn't grow up in a shitty home. I have two parents that love me more than life itself. I you know, I grew up with a great brother. He was wonderful to me, you know, he was always there for me. We had a great relationship, you know. My family, while they are very crazy sometimes they are a great family you know none of them you know ever made me feel unwelcome anything like that uh you know i just want to get that out of there now so i don't want people to think that you know what i went through had anything to do with my family and i don't want any family that listens to this to think that it was their fault at all because it wasn't you know it was just something that you know took a hold of me pretty early on and I just, you know, I I either didn't take it seriously enough or I didn't, you know, I didn't, I would just suppress it and I suppressed it for as long as I could. But basically, uh, if you guys have listened to the podcast before, uh, you know, for a while I, uh, I had a dependency on alcohol, which is what I like to call it because it sounds better than, you know, being an alcoholic. But basically, I got to the point where, like I just said a little bit ago, where I, you know, I would drink, and my overall goal would be to drink myself to death, because I didn't want to be here anymore. I didn't want to keep living. Uh, You know, I just, in general, I just, you know, it wasn't anything, like, specific. I just kind of just, I don't know, I just, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to keep doing it anymore. There was something in me that just said, you know, I I don't want to be here, you know. I'd I'd rather be dead. I feel like everybody around me would be better off if I was dead. You know, that's that's pretty much how I felt every single day. I'd wake up feeling like that. I'd go to bed feeling like that. You know, I mean, there was a couple times when I was living on my own after my, my cousin moved out. There's a couple times where I would, like, sit up at night, you know, and I would plan out how I was going to kill myself and what I was going to do. Thankfully, obviously, I never did any of it, but, you know, you don't realize how scary it is until you're there in that moment where you're sitting there planning out, you know, okay, how am I going to do it? Am I going to leave a note? Who am I going to leave a note to? What am I going to say? You know, you don't realize how serious that kind of shit is until you're in that moment thinking about it. And I could tell you guys with complete honesty 
It is one of the scariest things I've ever experienced in my entire life. I don't think anything will ever scare me more than me sitting there in my room alone at night thinking about, okay, this is how I'm going to end my life. You know what I mean? And it's not like I couldn't have reached out. I could have. I could have reached out to my my mom. I could have reached out to Drew. I could have reached out to my cousin, my brother, anybody. I could have reached out to anybody. And almost every single one of them would have been there for me. But I was so convinced that everybody had their own shit going on that they didn't want to help me deal with my shit. Like my mind had convinced me that if I had reached out, nobody would listen because they'd be like, you know, I got my own shit to worry about. I can't be worrying about your shit too. So I didn't. I suffered in silence for a very long time. You know, I mean, and this is something that I've actually, I don't think I've ever told anybody this before, but, you know, I I suffered like this when I was younger too. When I was like 14, 15, you know, I felt the same thing. I'd be all happy and cool, you know, throughout the day and then at night when nobody was around, you know, I would think about it. It'd be on my mind. You know, it'd be my mind thinking about it, you know, like, uh, basically to understand like kind of the reason of why I thought about it a lot when I was younger, you got to understand that, uh, I wasn't very good in school. Uh, you know, I, I, school just wasn't for me. I couldn't concentrate. I have ADHD and, uh, you know, I got a learning disability. So, you know, school kind of just wasn't the place for me. I just didn't want to be there. And when I was in High school, or not high school. When I was in middle school, uh, I had a few teachers that used to tell me every single day. They'd like to remind me that you know I was nothing. I wasn't gonna go anywhere. I wasn't gonna succeed in anything in life because, as they called it, people like me don't succeed at life. So you know, I mean, I'd go in every day. I'd hear this, and I'd think, all right, well, fuck it. Then why am I even trying? Why am I even gonna try if I'm not gonna make it? Right? Why even bother trying? So I didn't. I kind of just skated my way through school. Just barely passing. Uh, I got to high school. Nothing really changed, really. I mean, I had a couple great teachers. Don't get me wrong. There's a couple teachers that were wonderful. You know, they helped me keep going. But, you know, there's still them one or two teachers that would... I had a teacher one time in high school. I don't even care. I'm going to fucking out his ass right now because he's a piece of shit. His (laughs) His name was Mr. Morgan. What the fuck? He used to tell us, because I was in like one of them self-contained classes because, you know, I would, I was very disruptive and stuff. So, uh, I, they put me in one of those classes and this guy used to tell us literally every single day without fail, special kids, as he called us, special kids don't make it in the world. He used to tell us, you're not going to make it anywhere. You're born failures, you know, and that shit sticks with you. You know, that shit fucks with you. And, you know, so for a while, so, you know, for a while I would, you know, I would come home from school and, you know, I, if I wasn't hanging out with friends or something, I'd be up in my room, you know, and I would just, in my mind, even if just a little bit, there'd be a little voice in their summer saying, you know, why are you even here? Why do you, why do you keep going? You might as well just fucking end it now, you know, you're not going to mate, you're not going to go anywhere. So like, why, why bother trying, right? So, I mean, that was that was what it was like. And, I mean, you can ask anybody in my family, any of my friends, guarantee you if they you tell them that when I was around that age, I constantly thought about killing others, I guarantee you not one of them are going to say they saw it. Because I know they didn't. 
I was just that good at hiding it already. At a, that young of an age, I got that good at hiding it. Which isn't, you know, that's not something to be proud of at all. But, you know, I just... Pretty much from as long as I can remember, I've... You know, I haven't really... I haven't really wanted to be here, you know. Pretty much as, as far back as I can remember, I've wanted to... You know, I've wanted to end it. And I've thought about it a lot, you know. When I was younger, I used to, you know, I used to cry about it a lot because, you know, for some reason I thought that, you know, I was the outcast in my family and that I didn't belong in my family because I was different than everybody else because, you know, you know, most of the people in my family, you know, they're pretty smart people. And then there's me. I was fucking stupid. You know, I couldn't, I wasn't going to go anywhere, you know, I, you know. To this day, I still can't even tell time on a clock. Because my brain just don't work like that, you know? And for the longest time, I thought that shit and my ADHD, I thought that was all, you know, I thought it was a burden. And, you know, and I was like, what the fuck, man? Why did, you know, why did God, you know, well, this was before, you know, my faith kind of shifted. But I used to think, you know, <clears throat> why out of all the people that have to be me, you know? So, I mean, I'd be, I'd be lying to you guys if I told you that I didn't, I haven't thought about suicide probably my, at least since my teenage years to now. I'd be lying to you guys if I told you I, I wasn't thinking about it back then, because I was. And, you know, if my mom listens to this, mom, I love you. Uh, you know, don't blame yourself at all. It was not anything to do with you guys. It was nothing to do with any of the family. I, you know, I just... I had this disease. I had this demon inside of me from a very young age. And it, you know, I kind of just, I kind of just, you know, I, I suppressed it for as long as I could until I got to my older years. And then I started to find ways to get over it, you know, like ways to suppress it more. Like, you know, by having meaningless sex with random people, <laughs> you know, drinking with my friends, drinking more than I should, you know, drinking past my limit when I was with my friends. Because, you know, if I was drunk, then I wouldn't be able to think about it anymore because I'd be too drunk to even know that, you know, I was suicidal. Or if I got, like, a little, you know, like, spritz of serotonin from hooking up with somebody, I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm, what was I suicidal for? I'm happy as fuck now. But the problem with that kind of stuff was the happiness never lasted. Because, you know, I, it wasn't real happiness. It was just... It was, you know, it was happiness given to me by temporary solutions. And, you know, I just, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you guys, man. I kept going for years. I mean, there was a lot of years where, like, I, I shut myself off to a lot of people, and it's because I just, you know, I just didn't have the strength to keep going, you know. I, I wanted to just be lazy and, you know, just sit in my room and just kind of waste away, you know. I just didn't have, I don't know, I didn't have it in me to keep going. I, you know, I was ready to give up. I was ready to give up a few times, you know. I mean, like, I don't even know, like, I don't really know how to put it. Like, it's hard to talk about what it was like back then, because if we're being honest, there's a lot of shit from back then that I don't remember. And 
I think that's because a lot of it I just tried to suppress for so long that I ended up forgetting about it. But I mean, you know, for the most part, you know, I mean, one of the biggest things I could talk about from back then is when I dated this girl, Kristen. This girl I lost my V card to. And I mean, we were we were super fucking toxic, man. We had, you know, we we were young. We were in love. We thought we were going to be together forever. Like Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, kinda. we had that Romeo and Juliet syndrome, you know, where we were going to be together forever no matter what people said. But, you know, she, a lot of the times we'd fight because she didn't like the shit that I was doing with my friends because I'd, like, go out with my friends, you know, I'd be smoking weed, I'd be getting drunk with them, you know. I was only, like, 16 at the time. I'd be getting drunk with friends, you know, smoking weed. She didn't like that. So a lot of times we'd fight, and that's why we'd break up because of that because I'd be like, oh, you know, why are you trying to save my life while I'm trying to just live, you know? Because that's what she used to tell me. She used to be like, you know, I don't want you doing that shit because... I don't want something bad happening to you. And I, you know, I'd basically just tell her, like, you know, stop fucking caring about me. Because, you know, we were young. Well, I was stupid. But, you know, I mean, we'd break up 15 times a day, basically. Not even kidding. I'm being 100% serious. We'd probably at least 15 times a day. And, you know, there's a couple times where I broke up with her where she's, you know, threatened to kill herself. And, you know, and I kind of just walked away from it, you know. I would, like, wipe my hands of it. I would just walk. I'd be like, you know, I'm not going to deal with this. I'd I'd leave somebody else to clean up my mess, kind of. And then, you know, there'd be the time, the rare times where she'd break up with me and then I'd threaten to kill myself because, you know, I didn't want to be without her and that, you know. All that crazy young love shit. But, you know, I mean, there was a... I think I hid it behind, you know, I called it. You know, saying that because of, like, you know, like, me and her's relationship. But that's not really what it was, you know. I think there was a part of me that actually wanted to die. And, you know, I needed something to blame it on. So that's what I blamed it on, you know. But, I mean, I'm sure she'll probably never listen to this. But, you know, if she ever does, shouts out to her, man. You know, I know we're cool. We're on good terms now, but, you know. I do, from, you know, the deepest part of my heart, I apologize for the shit I put you through, you know. We, we, I mean, we were both terrible for each other, and, you know, it was just bad for a while there. I'm happy we both made it out of that, because I'm, you know, I, I was, now looking back on it, I'm surprised we didn't kill each other, honestly. That's how bad it was, but, you know... That was that was a lot of the big thing behind, you know, the way I felt, the why I felt the way I did, too, was that, you know, for a while I couldn't, you know, all I'd ever dreamt about since I was a kid was being in love, you know, starting a family. I mean, I've always loved that cheesy shit, you know? Oh, yeah. That's something people have always teased me about for being cheesy, for liking that kind of shit. But that's always been, like, my biggest dream is to do that, and I could, you know, it just never panned out for me, you know? And for a while there, that would be a big reason behind why I'd be depressed. Is because, you know, oh, I'm going to die alone. I'm going to be alone forever. You know, all that sad boy shit that I'd go through constantly. That Drew used to have to listen to constantly because I would constantly bring it up every five seconds. Which I'm surprised he didn't just punch me in my face half the time. 
Yo, I'm like I'm like an inner being. You got you got to take a lot to make me punch people in the uh, face, uh-huh. or or get slapped in the face like how Chris Rock uh, did it. Uh-huh. But, but yeah, I mean that was a that was a big thing behind you know why I was depressed too. But I I don't want to get like you know I don't want to give you guys a whole breakdown of my entire life of you know when I was depressed and why I was depressed. I basically today, basically what I want to talk about with you guys today is that you know. I wanted to be, I wanted it to get out there to more people that, you know, I've struggled. Uh, I struggled for a long time. I still struggle now, even though I'm on medication, I'm still struggling. You know, I still wake up and I have my days where I don't want to be here anymore. Uh, You know, and I just want to be honest with people. I just want to be open and honest with you guys that, you know, for a while there, yeah, I'd, you know, I'd wake up and I'd, you know, I'd, I'd think about killing myself every single day, all day long. You know, and I want people to know about that because I think it's important to talk about. Because if you ask anybody who knows me, you know, most of them are going to tell you, oh, Sean's, you know, happiest dude I've ever met. Super positive, always making jokes, you know. Anyone that's ever known me at any stage in my life is going to tell you that I was a happy dude. And I was, I was joking, you know. I was always the funny guy. But, you know, if I can make other people laugh, you know, that could give me the little bit of serotonin I needed to get me through my day so that I could get relief from, you know, the thoughts of wanting to end it. So, I mean, by helping you guys, you know, by helping people laugh in a way, I was kind of saving my own life, kind of. You know, so, I mean, shouts out to anybody that's ever, you know, laughed at my jokes or, you know, told me I was funny because that shit means more to me than you'll ever know. Yo, uh, I got something to say. Sometimes, because we did it before, but sometimes you'd be a, a dick sometimes. T- towards me. I'm just I'm just saying it. But then again, I'm a dick towards you, but, like, there's some moments, like, you just be, like, rude. Like, before you were on this medication, you were, like, rude as fuck to me. Uh, I mean, let's let's, like, expand on that a little bit. Give me like some, you know, man. I, I, just give me like a couple, like you know, examples of like times where I did some shit to you. I just want people to kind of know, like, you know, from like your perspective, how bad it was, kind of. Yeah, it was it was point like when we went to quarantine, uh, twenty twenty, and we were hanging out with each other for almost every day for the first month, and uh, he was like, "You get mad at me for telling how." Not really, like, play the game, but just give you, like, cultural advice how to do this part in the game. Oh, I don't need you to fucking do this to be Drew. Or something, or, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I mean, I remember what you're talking about. Um, there was that time we got in that nasty-ass argument. Not a fight. We didn't, we didn't actually fit, we didn't fist fight each other, like, in a long time. It was, um, was, was the day of my accident. Yeah, I know, I know you guys already heard my accident story, but I'm not getting into details. It's, it's not my story today. Well, it could be, but... Well, I mean, we're, well, I want to expand on that a little bit, though, because for people that don't know, you know, obviously I'm not going to go into the details of Drew's accent because, you know, that's that's his stuff to tell. But from my point of view, uh, basically, uh, the day of his accident, it was, you know, fucking National Slurpee Day. Which is like huge for me and Drew. You know, we always try. 
We used to always celebrate National we try, Slurpee we Day. Try, we try to celebrate National Slurpee Day. And at the time, his sister had been down there for a visit, and she'd brought her friend Don, who Drew was dating at the time. So he ended up going out with Don for 7-Eleven instead of with me, which I got pissed. And I was dating this girl, Marissa, at the time. And we had all, like, her, his whole family, and me and Marissa had plans to, like, go out to eat later that night while Drew was at work. And me and Drew got in, like, this big fight over something stupid, you know. And, like, before he left for work, I'm like, oh, you know, you're fucking dead to me. (laughs) You know, like, not saying it, like, in a literal way, just, like, saying it as, like, you know. Like, because I was pissed in the moment. I'm like, yo, fuck you, you're dead to me, dude. And then I get the call, yo, Drew's been in an accident, he's on his way to the hospital. And, I mean, I immediately fucking snapped. I was like, yo, what the fuck? Like, what if this dude dies today and, I, you know, last thing I said to him is you're fucking dead to me. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that, me personally, that shit weighed on me a lot, dude. Even after Drew got out of the hospital and, he, you know, he was in the clear, you know, that shit weighed on me every single day. Like, it's all I thought about every single day. Like, yo, you know, this dude experienced one of the worst things ever and I was a piece of shit to him, you know, a couple hours before. And like, what if that would have been it? What if that? What if that's how it would have ended right there? You know what I mean? So I mean, I can't exactly say that I got. You know, I became a one hundred percent better person after that happened because I didn't. No. Nah. Because I was still struggling with my own mental health, you know. And I think quarantine, quarantine really fucked me up because I couldn't have any out. I couldn't get out of the house and do anything. You know what I mean? Really, the only place I could really go is with the grocery store. You know. And I kind of, I couldn't really do anything else to help me. You know, I wasn't drinking. Even if I wanted to drink, Drew probably wouldn't have let me. But, you know, I I didn't have anything to try and, you know, keep my mind off of, you know, my depression and shit. So I would take it out on you because you were the closest person to me at the time. And I mean, obviously, you know, it wasn't ever anything personal. I mean, we're obviously over it now because we started a podcast together, but let me go on the record of saying, you know, I I am sorry for the way I treated you. Uh. You know what I mean? That was a shitty... Th- I mean, I'm not making excuses. I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm not going to use the excuse that it was my my mental health struggle because it's not an excuse. But, you know, I, I do apologize for the way I treat you. I shouldn't have done that to you. Yeah, I'll, I'll apologize for the, the fucked up super shit I did to you in the past. I mean, you know, I'm I'm over it now, you know. I mean, I do appreciate it. I, you know, obviously we haven't always been, you know, the best way towards each other. But, you know. Fuck it. I mean, we know, we know when it gets past the point of like, you know, it being jokes, you know what I mean? Like most of the time we know that if we're ragging on each other, it's all love. It's jokes, you know what I mean? We've we but we've both have gone past the point where like it becomes less of a joke and more of like a serious thing, you know what I mean? Or or um I think the best example of that wasn't you. It was just during your grandmother's funeral week or that that week and when everyone came to my house and I don't like myself, I really don't like I don't mind being in a group of people, but if there's a group of people in the house I can't sit down, I get like some type of Little anxiety of that. That's what. That's why they want. Like, all right, there's too many people here, and the lights are. I don't like to. I don't like the bright lights on. Yeah. I just like to have it like, like how how we have it right now. If it's too bright and I can see everyone going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's why. I, and I and I freaked out on uh on my family because uh, 
So I thought somebody stole my Willie Nelson. Yeah, I mean, well, emotions were very high that week. You know, I mean, it was a very tough time for everybody involved. But it's a good thing you did bring that up because I did want to talk about that too. Is uh, I wanted to tell you guys, like, with full confidence, if I hadn't already started this medicine, when that should happen with my grandmother, losing my grandmother, I guarantee you would push me over the edge 100%. Oh, fuck. Because that shit hurt me so bad. I've never, like... I mean, I've been through it before. I lost both my other grandparents before, you know. And with that, I lost my grandfather. And then six months later, I lost my grandmother. So it was fucking terrible. But, you know, it's just... The way it happened with my grandmother here is... Why it hurts so much. Which I'm not going to go into those details. Because that doesn't need to be drunk up again. You know, it's it's over. She's in a better place. I know she's happy now. She's at peace, and I've I've made peace with that. But, you know, I I don't really know, like, what else there is to be said. Like, you know, as, you know, I mean, I don't want to keep just repeating over and over again that, like, you know, I was suicidal and I want to kill myself, shit like that. But I will tell you guys a little bit about, like, my recovery process. Uh, the first time I decided to quit drinking, well... Not really quit. I was dating this girl, Marissa. You know, if she ever listens to this, shout out to you. You know, you're a saint. I mean, I could never thank you enough. Man, my but, grand, uh, my granddad is, some reason he liked your girlfriend, your ex. Yeah, well. You know yeah. why? Because he had that truck. She had the truck. Exactly. <laughs> like, hey, let me use that truck sometimes. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, granddad. You not good. That, that's why you see me never get no truck, because I don't want my granddad to use my truck. Yeah, but I mean, when I was dating Marissa, you know, I'd, even though it wasn't right, I was using Marissa as like my clutch, my crutch to get off of alcohol. Like, I'm like, oh, you know, I'll use, well, not like use, but you know what I mean. I'll like, you know, Marissa could be the thing that helps me stop drinking because I can get, you know, like the feeling I get from drinking alcohol, I can get that from being with her, you know, I can get... This kind of like happiness to make me not think about, you know, my depression. So then, you know, we broke up, you know, it just didn't work out, you know, it's no big deal. But because I'd not really been drinking the entire time that we were together, when she left, I kind of spiraled for a little bit, you know, I kind of went out of control and I started drinking a lot again. And then I took it out on her, which was really shitty of me. You know, I would, like, text her a lot. I would, like, drunk text her a lot and tell her, you know, oh, you fucking broke my heart, you're a piece of shit, you know, stuff like that. Which isn't right, and I mean, I've resolved that, I've since resolved that with her. But, you know, and then that year, I think it was, like, 2018, maybe? Yeah, 2018, I believe. Uh... Or no, maybe it was 2019. No, it was, it was 2018. It was 2019. No, it was the end of 2018, me and Marissa. Oh, yeah. Because my accident was... Yeah, because then... Because uh, then that Christmas, my mo- I think I've said this before, my mother gave me uh, a St. Michael's necklace, which is the patron saint of warriors. And she told me, she didn't say anything else, she just said, I feel like you could need this. You needed this. And I kind of thought, like, oh, maybe she knows about, like, you know, my drinking and shit. And this is, like, her, like, telling me, you know, I think you could do this. So on New Year's Eve, 
you know, 2019, I decided, you know what, this is it. I'm going to quit drinking. I'm done with that shit for good. It, you know, this is it. This is, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to get better. I'm going to work on myself. And then I started messing around with a girl that I was previously friends with. And I just fell right back into the same cycle. I'm like, oh, I'll use this girl to help me get off alcohol. She left. I spiraled again. Obviously didn't make it to the end of 2019 sober. Uh, then in 2020, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I'll get fucking sober this year. And then, you know, pandemic, all that. We're stuck inside, which I didn't drink the entire pandemic. And then literally right at the end, in like October, I got fucking drunk at a Halloween party and I threw my sobriety away. Yeah, I remember that Halloween party. Yeah, I was fucking pissed. And then that brings us to, you know, beginning of 2021. When, that, you know, <laughs> this time I was like, all right, this time I'm going to get sober. I'm going to stay sober. And, you know, I'm done with alcohol for good. And I mean, I made it. I made it all the way till 2021. Not a sip of alcohol. I mean, I had my first year of sobriety and it was fucking amazing. It was one of the most, like, I can't even explain to you guys the way it felt when that clock struck midnight and I'd realized that I'd been completely sober for an entire year. Like, it just, I don't know. I can't explain it. It felt great. But within getting sober, that's when I realized, okay, you know, it was never really the alcohol. There's a deeper issue here. Like, I, I, I'm depressed. You know, I have anxiety. I have depression. And, you know, I quit drinking, but that didn't suppress, you know, wanting to hurt myself. So, finally, I went to a doctor, you know, spoke to my doctors about it. They got me on, they put me on some medicine. Uh, I've been on Lexapro for a little over a month now, maybe almost two months now. And uh, hydroxine or something like that for anti-anxiety. Which, I mean, listen, I know medicine doesn't work for everybody. I understand that. I'm not, you know, here to shame you for it. But them putting me on this medicine, honestly, guys, I think it kind of saved my life. Uh, you know, I'm I'm getting better every day. Like I said earlier, I still have my moments, you know, where I, you know, I have bad days. But for the most part, I feel better. You know, I feel like, I don't know if it's obvious to people around me, but I feel like I look a little happier than I used to. You know, I feel I feel happier for the most part. You know, I mean, I don't know, like, Drew, could you, can you tell a difference between me this year and last year? Do I look any different? No, I got fatter. <laughs> but, um, in actual reality, um, yeah, because you're not, you don't, because before you were posting Facebook says, oh, I need a, I need a, I need a shorty, oh, I need this chocolate love on me, oh, and now it's just. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, you know, getting on this medicine kind of, you know. It just kind of mellowed me out. I mean, obviously, I know even being on medicine, this is something I'm going to fight for the rest of my life. I know that. I'm prepared to do that. But now that I've started to get better and I've gone through my own struggle, I, you know, I, I want to become a mental health advocate. You know, I want to I want to become, you know, an outlet for other people that are going through the same thing that I've gone through. So, I mean, I haven't really figured out details yet, but, I mean, I do want to start taking some steps to become, like, maybe, like, some kind of counselor or something. Maybe, like, maybe some kind of, like, motivational speaker, maybe. Like, maybe I'll do some kind of motivational, like, podcast or something. Maybe. I don't know. 
I'll figure something out when it gets there. But, you know, I uh, I kind of just wanted to give you guys a rundown of, you know, my mental health journey and, you know, let you guys know that, you know, I made it. I made it to the other side. And, you know, it's fucking beautiful over here. And I hope that anybody who struggles can get here, you know. I mean, and I'll help you get here if I can. Because I think getting to this other side, I think, is... You know, it's pretty fucking worth it, in my opinion. But, I mean, before, you know, before we end the conversation, like, you know, pertaining to me, I just wanted to give you guys, I just want to read you guys a couple lyrics from these songs. Uh, this first song is uh, Dear Alcohol by this rapper Dax. This is the one that Drew put me on to. Yeah. Uh, before he tells you about the lyrics and whatnot, like, I'm listening to it. It's like, you know how I discover this guy? TikTok. So I was like, oh, I don't know who this guy is. Like, well, let, me get, let me get my motherfucking glory in, motherfucker. Shit. All yeah. Right. But anyways, the song is called Dear Alcohol. Uh, Dax wrote it because, you know, he was an alcoholic at one point. Uh, so I'm just going to read you guys a couple lyrics. Yeah, the song starts with... Uh, well, actually, first... I'm gonna, actually, I'm going to tell you this. First, it starts with a poem. Like, a, in the music video, it starts with a poem. And then it it's I'll tell you guys the one it starts with and the one it ends with. But the first one, the one it starts with is, "Dear alcohol, I don't think you're as bad as they say. Everything else in this world is temporary, so why does it even matter if I drink you anyway?" And then the song starts, and it goes, you know, uh, I got wasted because I didn't want to deal with myself tonight. Uh, my thoughts get drowned until I feel all right. I keep drinking till I'm someone I don't recognize. I got wasted because I didn't want to deal with myself tonight. And I mean, God, that's pretty fucking perfect. You know, as someone who did get drunk a lot because of that. I mean, that's a pretty perfect way to put it. Because, I mean, that's pretty much exactly why I would drink too. Is because I just didn't want to deal with shit. So I would drink to forget about it. But. um, Yeah, Um, before I cut you off. What? What was your choice of uh, drink? Uh, Jameson, mostly. Hmm. I did one time down Kathleen's bottle of vodka, though, because <laughs> yeah. I had nothing else to drink. And I just wanted to get drunk that badly. I downed her whole bottle of vodka. It I'm was out, disgusting. I'm, I'm out of, like, out of liquors. I can't do tequila. Yeah, me, well. me te- yo, yo, that memory came up. What memory? The Ralph Wilson uh, Memorial. Oh. Was you there that day? Yeah, dude. You ever, it, it was uh, everyone I threw up on Chops' side of the car. Oh, no. I wasn't there for that one. <laughs> dude, I was... Anyway, that's... Um, I'm not interrupting. I, I'll let you get back to the regular uh, schedule program. Yeah, but I just wanted to, you know, give you guys a couple more lyrics from the song. Uh, and One of the other things he says in here is, uh, My life been getting sort of crazy and I don't want to think. I look at myself right in the mirror and I don't even blink. Then I get angry, take the rest and pour it right in the sink, which, you know, I've, I've been there. I was there more than once, you know, where I would get so drunk sometimes I would just look at myself and I'd be disgusted at what I'd see, you know. But the alcohol, it had such a grip on me that I, you know, I kept drinking anyways. Uh, then after it goes, uh, I know where this road goes. Alcohol ain't my friend, but I keep drinking because these demons roam. 
and follow me around everywhere I go. It clouds my mind and soul. It turns my heart cold. But I keep drinking because it makes me feel like I'm not alone. Which, that, 99% of the time, if you reach out to somebody who uses alcohol as a clutch like that, a lot of them are going to tell you the same thing, is that they drink alcohol to feel like they aren't alone. Because a lot of us, you know, we just feel like we can't reach out to anybody. And, you know, drinking makes us feel like we, you know, alcohol in a way is our friend, kind of, in like a fucked up way. But, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to read you guys the whole song because it's a pretty long song. But, I mean, it's a great song. I mean, regardless of if you're a drinker or not, I mean, it's a great song to listen to. I highly recommend it. Uh, The name of it, again, is Dear Alcohol by Dax. That's D-A-X, Dax. I mean, it's a phenomenal song. I definitely uh, recommend it to anybody. I will, I will later on tonight, we'll either post a Spotify link to it or just his video. You should definitely check it out. Yeah, Drew's going to have to do it because I'm in Facebook jail. <laughs> I get that's a That's a different story for another Yo, um, time. Speaking of Dax, he goes through, like, I listen to more, like, because I saw him Dear Alcohol. I was like, all right, I want to see what this guy got. He got other songs. Um, they're, he's dealing with his mental issues. Like, dear God, he's going after, I think he's going after God in that song. Yeah, it's kind of like a struggle with faith, kind of. Yeah, it's like, it's like Hobson. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, I like Dax, he's a good guy. Uh, then this other song I want to talk to you guys about is, uh, it's a song, Church. It's by, uh, Brandon Hart, Nova Rockefeller, and Tom McDonald. Uh, this is the song that I listen to, like, on repeat, like, uh, literally like a hundred times. And uh, a couple lines from this song is, um, I need a short drink or a long... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you guys the ending poem, the ending of that poem for Dax's song. Yeah, at the end of the video, then it says, uh, Dear Alcohol, I found out you were even worse than what they said. Sometimes I try to remember the good times, but you actually made me forget most of those memories instead. But, yeah, then the Tom McDonald song, Church, it says... uh, I need a short drink or a long prayer. I've been sober, but I don't care. I'm so scared of my own self. I get no help, and that's no fair. So don't go there. I've been hell and back. I got scorched hair in this Gucci cap. I got empty bottles and a million follows. I regret soloing the Ativan. Uh, fuck it. Let's be real. I resent the way that I feel. I pretend that it's cool, but I miss getting drunk, and I'm angry. That God doesn't help when I kneel. Fuck it. I said my prayers when I got clean. Shit just got worse. I quit doing drugs, and I pleaded with Jesus to save me, but he didn't hear my words. But, yeah, basically this song, you know, it's talking about, you know, how he's trying to get off his addiction by, you know, talking to God, and God wasn't talking back, so he, you know, he just kept, you know, doing his addiction. But the part, the chorus is the part that, like, really gets to me, because in the chorus he says, uh, uh, I pray on my way to the liquor store that they lock the doors because I'll lay in my grave if the whiskey pours like it did before. I'm scared. I send out a prayer. Can anybody hear me? Is anybody there? Because honestly, it hurts, and every day is worse. I keep buying whiskey when all I need is church. And that's a line that resonates with me really well because, you know, if... I would have kept pouring, you know, if I would have kept drinking, uh, I I probably would have ended up in a grave. 
So, I mean, I'm happy that in a way the whiskey didn't pour like it did before. Because, you know, like he says, we would have been dead. But, you know, that's just... You know, I, I just wanted to give you guys a couple of my favorite tunes talking about, you know, mental health struggles, shit like that. I mean, there's tons. I mean, you can look anywhere. There's tons of shit. But, uh, you know, I'm going to let Drew end this off with, you know, anything he wants to mention, uh, even if it's not related to this. But before I end the mental health discussion, I just want to go ahead and again and say, you know, if you guys... If you're struggling and you need help, reach out to one of us. Reach out to anybody. Reach out to a friend. Reach out to a stranger. You know, just reach out to somebody. Because I guarantee you the last thing your parent, your family wants to do is bury you. Trust me. It's, you know, it's not. eh. I know that it's hard to reach out because you think it's not going to help. But trust me, it helps. Take it from somebody who's been there. Reaching out is going to save your life. And I promise you that when you get to the day where you know you're you're happier and you think about those times and you realize what you went through, I guarantee you, you're going to be happy you reached out. You're going to be happy you looked for some help because it was the best fucking decision I ever made. And I don't ever want to look back now. But also, before I ended up here, I just wanted to give you guys a little mantra that I've come up with about, you know, like... You know, my mental health mantra, I guess you could call it. Uh, It's, uh, we are the heroes in our own stories, but even the strongest heroes always had backup. So, I mean, just think about that, guys, you know. No matter how strong you are, sometimes everybody needs help, you know. And it's, don't be ashamed to reach out. It's not a bad thing. It's, you know, it doesn't, for the guys, it doesn't make you less of a man. Trust me. And if people do think think makes you less of a man, well, fuck those people. Fuck those people. But, you know, that's, uh, for me, that's it. I just want to thank you guys for, you know, listening to me and my mental health journey. And, you know, I want to thank you guys for, you know, I want to thank everybody, especially the listeners of this podcast, man. I mean, this podcast has helped me in more ways than you guys will ever know. You know, in a way, starting this podcast saved my life. So, you know, shout out to the listeners for coming back every week. Shout out to Drew. You know, Whoa, for fucking... I'd have going with like Chop and Cheetah. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Chop, you know, for, <laughs> for you know, impulse buying the equipment and getting us started on all this shit, man. Because I don't think we would have ever gotten it off the ground if he didn't do nah. that. Uh, you know, shout out to Matt podcast for giving us a spot to, you know, grow our journey. Or grow our brand, you know. Shout out to Mike, you know, for starting this thing with us and, you know, be always being a homie from the beginning. Love you, brother. Uh, real quick, you know, shout out to my parents. Uh, shout out to my mom, especially. Mom, I love you. Thank you uh, for everything. You've been great since you've found out about, you know, since we've talked about, you know, my, my struggles. You've been great. You've been, you know, you've been super helpful with everything. And then, you know, just, you know, most of all, just, you know, shout out to myself. I know that sounds kind of cocky, but, (laughs) no, I mean, shout out to me for, you know, finally deciding to get some help because, like I said, it was the best fucking decision I ever made. So, guys, I love you. Thank you. Like I said, if you need 
if you're struggling and you need help, please reach out to one of us. Reach out to anybody. I don't care if you want to say, fuck you, you ruined my life. I don't I don't care what you need to say. Just get it out. Even if you just want to vent and you just don't want me to answer, I, I could do that too. Just please don't hold the shit inside. I don't want to bury anybody. I don't want to hear that one of our followers, you know, took their lives. I don't want to, you know, let's help each other get better. Let's start becoming more serious about mental health so that we can, you know, lower that number of suicides. In America. Let's do that. Let's get to a point where that number is low. Like super low. That would be wonderful. But you know. I don't want to keep just. I don't want to just keep rambling. So I'm just going to end it here. Just say you know. I love you guys. Thank you. You know. And. You know. Let's. Let's get serious about mental health. That's all I got to say. I'm going to let Drew wrap this one up. If he's got anything he wants to talk about real quick. Uh, we'll be back next week. It's a Drew episode. Hell yeah. So, you know, it'll probably be kind of boring. Oh, no, just, fuck you. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. All right. Um, once uh, again. Yeah, go ahead. Take away. All right. Once again, the uh, Suicide Prevention Hotline. Is it a hotline or a lifeline? Yeah. Hotline. Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. If you have any problems with uh, trying to find out your crisis situation, they can talk to you guys. They're trained professionals, but Chop and Cheetah, we're your local guys. You come talk to us. Yes, I am here. <laughs> and um, I will also like to, I will also like to thank uh, Cheetah, aka Sean, for agreeing with taking this crazy ride with me. You guys meant you guys meant a lot to us. I, I know we say a lot. I know we're like a broken record pretty soon, but fuck it. Is is our show? You meant to a lot to us. Uh, I like to reach out to people. Like if if I go to like a concert or a show, I'm seeing new people. I I usually tell them, hey if you if you want to listen to something funny or something serious or something, listen to our listen to my podcast. I say, oh, what's your podcast name? Oh. Getting loser. We're starting a podcast. Anyway, uh, uh, also just real quick, uh, an idea that I have been shopping around a little bit that I think we should look into somewhere down the road is like, someone said maybe something like you know like doing like a live episode where like maybe we like take calls about a subject. You know what I mean? Like maybe we shoot like a live video. Maybe we like take calls about like mental health or something. Maybe or maybe like people like send us a couple questions to answer on. A live video. What the hell? Which I think would be pretty cool. You know, we might do that somewhere down the road. Uh, you know, just just be about trying to figure out how to do it, when to do it. But, you know, yeah, you know, I just wanted to plug that real quick before I forgot about it. Yeah, that's a little little uh, idea I've been shopping around. But, yeah, go ahead, Drew. Wrap it up for us. All right. Um, You know you know the old saying, Sean, you got any quote? Uh, Let me look. I might have something good. All right. Uh, anyway, you know I fucking love quotes, man. That's my uh, shit. Hell dude. Yeah. Don't don't test me, man. <laughs> you know I'll find something. Yeah, but um, Sean, I really do like the idea of how how we start episode with a quote, with a quote, and we end it with a quote, and we end it with our inner signature. Yeah, man, I love that. That's much. That's the best. Cause how like if you guys do listen, if you do listen to other podcasts, uh. How often do you ever hear a quote at the beginning of the episode and a quote at the end of the episode? So, because you're more 
podcast experience to me. How, how many podcasts do you hear? You ever hear a call at the beginning? Not many, if any at all. You know, if if we get recognized because of that, Joe Rogan, we will see you. <laughs> all right. Uh, here's a good one. We can. I'll give you this one. Uh, we've all got both light and dark inside us. What matters is the part we choose to act on. That's who we really are. All right, all right. Uh, thank you for right around. What the fuck? I almost said that shit perfectly, too. All right, let me just rewind that part a little bit. Yeah, it's just kind of funny. All right, thank you for riding along, losers. Chop out. Cheat out.